Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Varney. And I'm Mike and Deglio. Bitch! Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get, get back. streaming on Hulu. <laughs> do I need a third monitor? Yeah, yeah I do. Something happened today that made me think I might need to start smoking pot again. Uh-oh. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which me and my co-host, Mike Indeglio, discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to, guys, we are starting to round out season I can't six. believe it. We are really, it's going to start, it's going to start spinning now. So look out. We are doing season six, episode 19, Eat and run. How's it going, Mike? It's going good, Keith. I should follow up on my intro bit there. It actually Yeah, goes, I didn't even know you stopped. Uh, well, it goes with the title there. Yeah, so a, a, a confluence of issues. My cholesterol when I went to the doctor was a little high, and I had a calcium... Uh, this is some boring shit to start the show. I had a calcium score test run uh, with my heart, and though it's not high, I do have like a little bit more calcium deposit in my my main heart artery, which combined with my family history is concerning at my age. Not sure, bad, but concerning how considering how much cardiovascular fitness I have, that's it true. Is a surprise. So yeah, for me, you expect to open up my heart and it's three quarters bacon. So I've been exercising pretty frequently yet again. I'm and I've been uh, cleaning up my diet. It's that's taking a little bit longer, and. Uh, I just that in conjunction with I should also mention because we've talked about it on the podcast but haven't really I I have been suffering from some vocal fatigue and allergies right. which I thought might be more serious than I was afraid was might be more serious than it actually is everything's fine luckily uh, but I thought you know what I'll chill out on the marijuana for a couple weeks and just well that's probably smart. as I jumpstart everything and kind of you know before. And so I went for a run. I did seven miles yesterday, and then today Jesus. I went to, to do three. I was supposed to run 10 yesterday, but I, I only I, after seven, I felt like I was done, so I was done. And then I went to do the three today to kind of round it out. And I've been feeling good, man. But Garmin's, whatever Garmin, the watch, my watch that I wear, whatever uh, calculations it does, uh, it tells you like, hey, you're improving, you're progressing, you're stalling, you're blah, 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 blah. But it was like, your training load is too high. You are uh, failing. It, it, whatever. It's it was something negative, which I know is just the calculation screwy. But I took the watch off and I threw it across the room. 
it was like it was like suboptimal, and I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I haven't been raging it, like against the machine. You feel in a little, quite a little high strung there, Mike. A little <laughs> yeah. high strung. But that also could be Keith, because uh, to get back to what has actually been going on, my mom says she's been a little lonely, been trying to like deal with my mom getting older and trying to help her cope with that as well. She's she's having trouble walking, and it's you know just like stuff's happening. So she really wanted to adopt pets, and I really thought it was a bad idea, because really I really want her to be focusing on taking care of herself right now, not just like putting more responsibility on her, especially like young cats. Well, she found a pair of cats who are brother and sister. We went to meet them. They're really really cool. Brought them home for her, and they. She didn't like even pay any attention to them. They just like went and hid. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> and, you know, I'd like set up the, her apartment for it. I did everything. And I was like, well, mom, God, 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 Godspeed. She's like, I know what I'm doing. Well, Keith, she sent me an update today. These two cats who were petrified uh huh. are, they pulled the full Charlie Jr., they're rolling around on her lap. They have like, they love my mother. They're all over her. She's like a pig in shit. Uh, she's got these two buddies, new friends. It's just amazing. Yeah, uh, here's I, some. I'll roll some some footage here. Oh yeah. Uh, well, uh, what adorable footage that you're doing in post, so I can't see it. Uh, <laughs> but but you said like you wanted her to focus on taking care of herself, and frankly, her mental health, having the love and companionship of the cats, is taking care of herself. I think that it, it might be more important than anything else. So I I fully support. I think it's a great idea. Uh, we have definitely uh, f fully moved into this segment. Yeah. We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We, we failed. failed. It's time to give the world what it was. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow. You're gonna have to do that forever now. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's our new thing. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, that's that's great. Well, I I I might actually watch this segment uh, for the first time in forever, so I can see the cats in post. I think that's uh, that's really that's really. Oh, their great. names. I'm sorry. Uh, oh yeah. Their names are Ollie, uh, and he's a really sweet boy with these huge eyes, and uh, Cindy, and her name is Cindy because she's got this really cool. Just she's white. She's a white cat. But she has this like black mark on her and black whiskers here. Uh, like Cindy Crawford. Like Cindy like Crawford. Little, yeah, so it's really kind of clever. We're old enough to get that reference. And maybe just us. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, maybe just us. Oh, well, that's awesome. Keith, tell me about this. Yeah, so uh, this <laughs> this is Charlie. This uh, was a picture that, that uh, Jillian took that I just really, really enjoy. He woke up from a long nap and... Uh, you know, he's he's very majestic. He's like a lion. He's got all that fur. But sometimes when he wakes up from a long nap, he looks a little bedraggled. And uh, yeah, no, I uh, I enjoyed that's That's he's the guy. He's really... Uh, now, has he let himself go? Or is that just his, his, ah! his summer coat? <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's, well, I mean, as when we first got him, he was, he was a little, little skinny, a little bedraggled, uh, mm -hmm. no longer the case. Uh, and his coat has just, it, you know, we brush him like 
every other day. It's his favorite thing in the whole world is to be brushed. And we take off great gobs of hair every time we brush him. But it just keeps growing. It keeps getting bigger and uh, more majestic. But yeah, no, he's... It's uh, his, technic- his, multi- his Technicolor uh, puff coat. It is, a, it is definitely like a, like a non-equity production of Cats over <laughs> here. It's, it's really quite something. All right. Well, we have a lot of fun things to talk about. This is it's also a fun episode. So let us, with no further ado, move forward into... Filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. What say you? Well, first off, uh, we should uh, hear from our good friend and moderator, Phoenix, who literally made me laugh out loud uh, with last... Because he's finally coming for you, Mike. He's been coming for me for five years, but now it's your turn. Uh, So, last uh, episode... I was going to say last episode we did the more TV segment, but I think anybody who's listening who listened to last episode is still listening to last episode. So they'll probably never get here uh, because of, uh, you know, uh, it was more, more you know, TV. Well, oh, Mike, you know what? Nobody wants to hear the weather from all those years ago, even though that's what the segment's supposed to be about. Okay, so maybe I'll do something topical and let people know what else I've been watching other than this ancient TV show, which you wanted me to watch and <laughs> give my opinions. But God forbid... I try to enlighten the people with th- with my opinion so that they can know what's worth putting on their queue. Did I mention Schmigadoon? I've been watching that on Apple TV Plus. It's great. All right. Ted Lasso episode two just came out. It's wonderful. Watch that. I got a whole list, people. So buckle up because more's coming. All right. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, he, well, Phoenix is then pre- previewing the next episode because he says, in the next episode, Mike shortens the more TV segment by just playing every show he's currently watching. <laughs> well, folks, me and Keith, I want you all to know that Keith and I did experiment with like backdoor ways to actually let you all watch the episode with us on Hulu. Uh, so this podcast, which is already really long, could be even longer. But uh, uh, if I could, yeah. I would. Yeah, well, we're, our, we're already pushing our luck, and the only thing that protects us from... Uh, from that is that nobody's listening. So uh, he also talks about, because last week, of course, was the return of Joey Herrick. Joey Herrick. Good fun. Uh, Phineas says, Joey Herrick walks in asking for help because he suspects his client is innocent. Joey, quote, as good as I am, my conscience says I should bring someone else on board with experience. Eleanor, so in addition to getting a law degree, you also picked up a conscience. Joey, drives like new, hardly any miles on it. Great joke. Phoenix says, Mike, if that joke doesn't sound familiar, it's because you neglected to hit pause while talking over John Larroquette. If I were in the room watching it with you for the first time, you definitely would not have missed it because an objection would have come flying off my foot towards your head. The, here's the, here is the irony. Phoenix is coming for you. The irony of that comment and really our whole podcast, because let's be honest, we've talked over more than just John Larroquette. We have talked over plethora of of uh, not plethora um yeah yes a plethora of a menagerie um, of yes great uh, stars regardless what's funny is that when i'm watching tv in my living room you don't you don't we don't talk during the show 
During commercials, yeah. we can discuss. During the action, we're mum, all right? That's why my mother's not invited here. Because all she <laughs> wants to do is ask 20 questions. So I was like, you know, I'm watching the show too. I, I don't know who did it. Yeah. I don't know who that guy is. I just got introduced to him too. Uh, but thanks, Phoenix. You're right. Keith, did we hear from any of the cast members of the show? It's so funny. We did. We did hear from one of the cast members. Uh, ironically, because it wasn't even about us talking about him, we heard from uh, Ray Abruzzo, who uh, also pointed out that, and don't forget, I worked with John Larroquette in Night Court. And, uh, of course, he did. He did a bunch of episodes of Night Court. And uh, I think um, I I tried to look it up, but I didn't actually look it up that hard. But I think he is the only person in history to have been interrogated on the stand by Joey Herrick and Dan Fielding. So that's got to be something. And then he, he chatted with you. Talk, well, talk about him chatting with you. Eat, eat an espresso. Oh, yeah. We were talking about... Uh... Uh, I mentioned that we had talked about the espresso because it had just happened the day before when we recorded it. He's right. like, oh, why didn't, why didn't you come up and say hey? And I said, well, uh, you just talked to like Sopranos fans for 48 hours. I figured you probably just wanted to enjoy your espresso. And, Which uh, I, I don't know if it's creepier to... Uh, <laughs> just walk, like, just stare at him. <laughs> no, just like, I was there with you <laughs> yesterday. I watched you eat ice cream. Like, I Dude. think that's creepier. Yeah, it is pretty creepy. Um, and I d was going to go have a chat with him, but I decided to go play the Dolly Parton slot machine. I mean, and who wouldn't have made that choice? Oh. There was something else I was going to say. I've forgotten it. Oh, let's see how, uh, how, how motivated Mike is, because you might have seen the screenshot of him in Night Court, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be exciting for both of us. Phoenix, if he doesn't, I sure hope to hear from you on it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, folks, if you would like to reach out to us and uh, join this scintillating conversation, you can reach us at Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice, or just do us a big favor and, uh, or it's not a favor. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you know, write us a note below here on the YouTube, but. Which is, which it's sort of a favor. And actually, it is a favor. It helps us. We like it. Blah, blah, blah. But if you want to really do us a favor, and nobody has done it since, I believe, <laughs> 1987, uh, join the jury. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I think everybody who's listening to this already has. So yeah, I don't know that it's worth even asking Find somebody else to anymore. listen to us, then make them do it. Because <laughs> You know what? Here's what I would prefer. You know why? At this point, nobody's doing it. And we're going to finish out. To those who are dedicated listeners, and we appreciate you, I, we we take the piss all the time, but we really do appreciate it. And we appreciate those who still contribute uh, financially. But you know what? If future listeners want to give us a rating review so maybe people in the future can watch, not in real time, obviously this will exist on YouTube. Awesome. But you know what? Go on Amazon. Find a product that you think we would love. And just... Leave the review there for that product, uh, but review the podcast as a review for the product. Just do something silly like that. At this point, why not? Wait. So <laughs> let, me, let me just let me just see if I can follow the logic of what you're trying to say. Oh, there's so no like, logic. I just started so, talking, and that's where we got. <laughs> so, all right. So, so from what I, I think, what you were saying is go on Amazon, pick out that spatula. You have been looking, you've been eyeballing for a couple of weeks, like but haven't adult, pulled the trigger on. Adult depends or something. Whatever it is. And and leave a review for that spatula 
But have that review be a review of our podcast? Is that what you're thinking? I mean, that wasn't my initial thought, but that, so that is spatula, the words that I said. Five stars. What a great podcast. Yes. <laughs> I guess my point was that it'll do as much good at that point as it's doing right now. You know what I'm saying? I, no, you don't. No one knows I have what I'm no saying. Way, I don't think you know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't. I think it's really important that we just move forward. <laughs> All right. Well, what we should do. See, a good podcast would edit that whole thing out. Because it made no sense, but I'm not going to do that. No, our podcast <laughs> is incompetence. We are, that's that's our whole thing. That's our that's our brand, man. Uh, What's how ironic, gonna... Keith, is I, I know we should do an experiment. I think if we actually just took the entire, any discussion of the practice out of this and just uploaded videos of two random guys talking, we might get more views. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the drag on our podcast is the Emmy winning series. <laughs> I don't it's think so, that's what's holding us back. It's so funny. Um, I don't ever really get disheartened because I actually enjoy this time every week a lot. But sometimes I'm in the gym and I see my wife on the on the treadmill and she's running and she's doing her thing. And she'll stop and she'll turn to me and she'll be like, I can't believe Joey Herrick, blah, 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 blah. And I'll be like, You're just, you just listen to our podcast. I can't. Yep. I, I, I love that. And I'm also so saddened that that's who's, it's just her. No, I no, I'm gladdened by it because no one in my life except for my mother listens to mine. So I I am I am happy for the love demonstrated by CEO Jen for putting up with this for hours. Now Keith, I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass week. her real quick. Real oh quick. great! Um, it, and I love this, and you're gonna love it too. Not only is she listen to the podcast, mm -hmm. not only she's CEO of the Empire. Sure. The, the um the, the, the KME entire KME empire. Yeah. entertainment empire, mm. but on occasion she'll pitch ideas for the character of CEO Jen for the Oopsie Spectacular. Oh, nice! Like it was her idea. She's like, you know what? Let's have instead it's of the up. red carpet. Let's instead of the red carpet this past season. She's like, let me. I'll be in the boardroom and I'll give like a state of the pocket. I mean, she's pitching. Like, she's got some ideas for for the, what's coming up. So we'll see. Excellent. I can't. I'm I'm really, really excited. I think we, maybe I should get Charlie to play a role. My idea is let's do something for sweeps. Let's do the death of CEO Jen. Or like leave it on a cliffhanger. Like somebody comes in like in a nun's habit and just like oh. murders her. She gets stabbed? I don't know. She, this seems pretty aggressive. It does. She found it to be too dark. <laughs> She's like, my, 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 part, my bits are usually comedic in nature. I was like, oh, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not a the the show is a drama. We're not a drama. No, well, we're we are dramatic, and uh, I'd say we're more of a, just a sheer tragedy. You and I. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, enough with the contemporaneous navel gazing. Let's do some back in time navel gazing in a segment we call This Day in the Basement. So this episode aired. On May 5th, the year 2002. Uh, so, Mike, tell me what was going on. Keith, I was uh, performing in and uh, my senior showcase, which I will show next week so that we don't make this podcast 12 hours long. Because um, I know you have some things to share this week. Uh, and I also have to, like, I had to figure out the way to get it off of a VHS. I got a, I got a VCR and... Uh, but that's it. So Keith has showed me a product that will do it for me, and yes. I will purchase said product. 
Um, but in addition, we had our graduation and uh, for our commencement. So you graduated this early and like yeah, all the yes. way through. Okay, yep. cool. Uh, because early next year will be my first gig. So this was, interestingly, my apartment lease was up. So I end up getting, well, we'll get there when we get there. Um, but for after our commencement, uh, they said two things. Uh, well, I should tell you, Jim Dale was the speaker who- Oh, fun. If you're not super versed in theater, he's a just a, a staple as a, as a performer Barnum, on stage. Barnum, me and my girl. <laughs> he also voices the Harry Potter books. The entirety of the Harry Potter books. If you listen to the audiobooks of Harry Potter, and if you haven't, you should. It's Jim Dale, uh, yeah. It's Jim Dale, and he creates, I think it's somewhere upwards of like 800 characters in that- uh, yeah, it's, might, it's a remarkable performance. It, it's it's a remarkable performance. I enjoyed the books, but I went back and listened to all of them because uh, Jim Dale. And one of the Rowling things aside. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that he said, which has proven so remarkably true, was that, you know, uh, it was a cautionary sort of thing that he said, and he said, the only, this is an amazing business, and I, I wish you all the success and luck that I got along the way, because it will take a lot of luck and success to have a, a, a sustained career. But in whatever, with whatever success you have, or however deep you go, or whatever avenue you take in the plethora of tracks there are under the umbrella of the performing arts, the arts in general, uh, being an artist, you do sacrifice a little bit of the magic. We are in mm. some ways magicians, and once you are in on the trick, you never can really fully sit there and look at something, watch something, experience something without mm. a little bit of your brain clocking how it's done if you are truly passionate because and not as a not as a critic, but right sometimes as a critic, but mostly because to learn, you need to see people do it wonderfully and then dissect it. Figure and out how they did it, yeah. How was it, and why are you feeling the feelings you're having? Why is this successful, whereas maybe something else wasn't as successful? What is giving me this feeling right now? Is it the lighting? Is it the, is it the alchemy of multiple things? And, and parsing that is what you end up doing in any profession, but, and, and that is proven to be true. There have been experiences in my life where I've I've just wanted to let go, but I can't fully. Um, I think I've mentioned on the podcast a few times before, there are times, and usually they are in mediums in which I have zero facility. So watching dance, yeah. I often am able to fully get invested and, and magicked by the performance. Like they are not performers to me, they become almost magical creatures, nymphs, that can just do something magical that I just can't physically, I, I mean, I find that with gymnastics and some physical feats as well, but sticking with, and or watching an amazing jazz musician improvise, that is something that I can get lost in the magic of. There are performances that that elevate me, you know, to suspend all disbelief, but it is it is few and far between, and I've, 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 that that is something he said that really is 
I never thought about, but has been has proven true. It's no, it's 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 really interesting because I, I he's a hundred percent right, and and certainly twenty years into this business, it, it that has borne out to be true. And for me, and I'm sure for you as well, it's like I I went through that in two stages, because I started out as a singer and performer. And so I learned all of that, all of the machinery, all the magic of the on the performing side, and then also as a writer, as a as a book writer, as a composer, all of that. I'm watching now. I go and see a show. I'm watching it from with both of those hats, plus the producer hat, plus the whatever whatever hat. Um, that yeah, I mean it's it, it's important. I think to. While we acknowledge that we have to, you know, put on our analytical brain to intentionally not not put aside the analytical brain, but value the fan part, because it's it's been a part of me that I've been uh, thinking about for the last couple of years and wanting to intentionally refocus um, my energies to remind myself I'm a fan first. And to to allow myself to be a fan of the show that I'm writing or the actor that I'm seeing, um, you know, in the same way that I'm about television, you know, because like I'm not a part of that world, sadly. Uh, but like in in theater, like I'm a fan too. So I, I've I've been like going and like listening to. I stopped listening to cast albums. I stopped doing all. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm gonna intentionally. Mm -hmm. Just throw on a different cast album, like one that's recent that I haven't heard before, and just listen to it as a fan and analytically as well. But anyway, it's a really good point. Um, uh, I, I want to just piggyback on it because I was thinking about this during my run the other day, and then I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. Um, along with that, and to the point where that you just brought up, I've been thinking a little bit about how the political climate and the sort of socio-political climate right now there's a lot of fear and and a lot of it earned about what can I say, what should I say, what am I what kind of what what is my past, what can be criticized about my past work or my past, and that's sure. and and I wish I wish I could remember the pundit or performer who said this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be able to attribute the quote. I apologize if I can look it up. I'll I'll put it down below, but someone was. Uh, so they, someone had changed their stance about whatever topic or their past work had they they tried to do a gotcha on them because they're like well you're saying this now but your song from such and such a time says this sure what they sure. said was and they and basically the question was doesn't it make you a hypocrite and the quote was i'd rather be a hypocrite than a human being who never changes or evolves because we should be evolving and changing our minds. And, and, and the, why I bring that up is because often you and I rightly criticize the writing or David E. Kelly for stances they held 20 years ago. Yeah. I want that to be known that we are bringing that up 20 years later, that we're not watching these in a vacuum, and we are not criticizing the person, nor am I lambasting ever, are we ever criticizing, uh, well, we are criticizing, but that's not to say that these people can't change or evolve or that David E. Kelly's work today still reflects those those issues. I thought it was important to parse that um, because yeah. because I, I'm sure he, we we enjoy his work and it, it's just it, it is a snapshot of where media was 
at that time period. And I think that's what we're pointing out. No, no, for sure. And and I and certainly I can I can say with confidence that there is stuff that I've written, stuff that's out there that I would not write the same way today. And and in many ways I regret having done not because I didn't have the best of intentions at the time, but I didn't have as much information then as I have now. So, you know, I, I, I think it's it's more incumbent upon us to learn than it is to get everything right the first time. And, and so I think that's, you know, I, I, and now if my intentions were shitty 10 years ago, right, and I, I was like trying to make fun of or trying to hurt somebody trying to punch down in some way then that remain that was shitty then and that remains shitty today but if my intentions were good but my knowledge was bad i think that's it's just a different thing so um, keith to segue a little bit if if only there were some sort of documentation of some of the work that you put out <laughs> into the universe Oh, so many years ago. Yeah. In, what do you indeed. have as far as that's concerned? And well, I've I've got a biggie, but but I've one one last tiny little question. How sure. big was your class that graduated? Um, you know what? Actually, it's interesting. It's for a whole nother conversation for another time. Because I've been trying to do some reading about. You know, we entered into that program with the understanding that we could get a BFA through the New School University. What they didn't really tell you was that you had to do a whole nother, like three years of schooling at the New School. I thought it was just like, we can't give the degree, credited degree, we, we give it through another school. So we, I did graduate with like a sort of bait and switch, which is a- Thinking you had gotten a BFA, but you clearly had not. Or that it was just like, I have to go and just like take a class over here and then they get the back door in, which is shitty on my part for not doing that, but the, I'm, not for nothing. Anyhow, uh, there I'm just were... wondering: was it you, Jim Dale, and like six other people? In no, the no, room? no. I would say there were probably two hundred people in my graduating class. What? And yeah. it was that big? Yeah, yeah. It's a, there's a lot of people go there. It's broken oh. into sections, so there. Uh, you know what? I'm maybe 150. I was thinking it was more like circle in the square, and there was like 15. No, now. That's how many people started the program, and then some some people graduated that summer because they took the summer off, and then some people uh, did not uh, jury into the second semester. Nowadays, you don't there's they don't let anybody go, but they did jury people out before. Um, hmm. I, I'd like okay, let me. It was about a hundred people. I guess there was twenty people per per section, and there were A, B, C, D, E, F, six, twenty. So that's at one hundred twenty. A hundred people. Oh, okay. All right. So it, it's much bigger than I thought it was. All right. Anyway, neither neither here nor there. I was just imagining like you and Jim Dale and like having a cup of I coffee because that was it. That would have been awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as you tried to transition over, this was actually, it was a couple of weeks before this, but the practice took three weeks off, which was rude. But on April 21st, the year 2002 was, uh, as I mentioned before, a monumentous day in my life, and this was indeed my senior recital at Eastman. Wow, there Look it is. Look at that guy. Look at that guy, just fashion. Woo! All of that, so much fashion. Uh, but there I am in uh, Kilbourne Hall, 
with uh, Chapel Kingsland, who was my accompanist, and a string quartet. And see, here's the interesting thing. I spent probably a couple of hours not not going going through the recording of my senior recital, trying to find 30 seconds I wasn't like 30 consecutive se- uh, seconds I wasn't embarrassed during. Which listeners will note is hours more than you prepared for your dress rehearsal. A th- uh, oh, a million times more. <laughs> and so I I'll just play a little bit while I'm talking. But I still like I'm struggling with myself because I I listened to my recital and I sort of it's weird like I have this vanity within myself where I'm still hypercritical of everything I did and sort of embarrassed of it but I at the same time I was also like you know what it wasn't that bad like it was there are parts where, like, clearly my voice is sort of given out or whatever, and that's embarrassing. But, like, yeah, I, I could sing all right. That's a that's actually a really great place to be. You know, I had a, a friend visit last night, and we were, like, trading YouTube videos of some stuff. And I've been practicing trying to listen to myself. And he's just, like, was talking about how much of a fan of my voice he is. And I hate my voice. But I'm trying in my life to, like, allow I can have my feelings and still let people be a fan. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's I I think you've just I don't know. I there there is sort of like that insecurity that lives there forever where I really just struggled through the recital. But I was like, yeah, okay. Well, and anyway. this isn't the music that your passion lies in, right? So did you get to do anything that was not classical in nature? I did. I so here's here is my my rundown. I sang uh Thou shalt break them from the from the Messiah. Then I did uh, three Hugo Wolf German pieces, then a set of French, um, and uh, three French tunes. Then I sang "A Leva Trois Soleil" from Romeo and Juliet, a Gounaud. That was the end of that was before the uh, intermission. Then I did "On Wenlock Edge," uh, Ralph Vaughan Williams with the string quartet, and then I did uh, I did "Corner of the Sky," of course. <laughs> I bet you did too. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I did "Love I Hear." From funny thing, and then I finished with Gethsemane from Superstar. Yeah, I'd love to hear you sing that. Actually, I think you played me it. Actually, I think you uh, did it on a on a Varney Brothers Christmas. Uh, well, God, when I was like eighteen, Jesus, that was a long time ago. Um, anyway, uh, so here's here's what I think was most interesting about my senior Keith, recital, I d- and I yeah. want to hear that, but I just just to force you yeah. to to reckon with your insecurity. Yes, I wanted to put this up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's uh Continue, please. Damn, well, your hair hasn't changed a beat, a whit. My, yes, it has though. That my hair is creeping up. There's like an, an, <laughs> an a full inch further down on my forehead. And you're work, uh, I mean you're moving into five head territory. It's true. Oh god damn it. That is <laughs> Like, you know, okay, so I'm still fat and I've, you know, still got the weird, I, at least I have a full beard, not a goatee. And like, you know, it's 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 never like great going on there, but it is upsetting to know that I've definitely lost an inch or two. Hey, dude, at our age, buddy, you got hair. And uh, that I is, know, I know. Count your chickens. I, I don't mind if it goes gray. I just would like to retain it. And boy, it is creeping. God, oh, that's, that's the is. worst. I'm full Doc Brown gray. 
Yeah, well, you and me too. Anyway, so here's the thing. About, you can take that off anytime now. No, that's cool. <laughs> so here's the thing about my senior recital that uh, was so impactful for me. And it wasn't the recital itself. Uh, but I was talking to Jillian about this too. I had one of those life-changing moments. Like I had a genuine epiphany. Okay. During this recital, and not everybody gets this, and I feel very grateful to have this. I was finishing up uh, at the at the intermission. I was I was singing the Alleva Trois Soleil, and I was singing the big high note at the end. And in that moment, I realized, hey, I'm not having any fun. Hmm. I'm not really enjoying this, and I don't think this is what I want to do. And I want, I'm a, I'm a musical theater kid. I want to do musical theater. And I walked off for intermission. And at that moment, I realized my opera classical career was done. And that I was going to move to New York and uh, do musical theater for a living. And it was one of those things that I think I had been wrestling with subconsciously for a long time, but it wasn't really clear to me until that moment. For whatever reason, I remember exactly where I was, and I and I remember I was exiting stage right and going through those brown doors, and that is the moment that I realized that, uh, nope, this is not for me. You, you man, we're getting philosophical this episode. Uh, yeah. You know, it's once again the irony, the syn- the synchronicity. I had a I had a a, a journaling moment last night because uh, I said something to a friend of mine. He's he's a dear friend and he's he's just turned thirty, so his different stage of life. Sure. And I actually he's walking such a similar path, beat by beat, that I did that I do feel qualified to impart a little bit of wisdom. And what you just said. <clears throat> is something I, I believe to be true. And that is, in the critical junctures of our lives, of our, of our journeys, our gut feeling will generally give you the guidance you need. Yeah. You know the answer to the question somewhere. Yeah. But, especially in our line of work, and I'll limit it so I don't paint with too broad a brush, moving, especially in New York City, in the arts, we then, it is so easy to get de-attached from our guts and listen to, this is how you're supposed to do it. Let me try to emulate, because there's no linear path to what we're trying to do. You try to emulate other (laughs) people and their paths and try to formulate a strategy based on things you're observing and things you've heard secondhand to get you to where you think you might wanna go. And you stop listening to just yourself. And, And what you just said right there at 18, how old are you here? 20 years old? Uh, 21. 21 years old. That, you go back to that, right? Like, you remember it so vividly because it was, you were right. Like, the yep. entire course of your life is different had you not listened to that, Keith. No. So, that's where we are. Even in our 40s, I think it's, remember, like, when life has a lot more difficult decisions, we still, if we can quiet the noise, generally speaking, you got to be able to tr- trust your gut. No, and, and and I did listen to myself. It was almost like I I wouldn't let myself not 
Yeah. And and I was I was at that pivot point, and I mentioned I think the week before, like I turned down a week at a high light opera. I mean a week, a summer. And I didn't know why really until this moment. And I was like, nope, nope, that's like I've been pushed in this direction, I've been going in this direction for all this time, and that's not where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And um anyway, so like I'm I'm very grateful. You know, to be to be clear, I'm very grateful that I went there. I'm grateful that I got that training and I learned that and I'm I don't regret really uh having done it. It benefits my life every single day. But I'm also very grateful that I knew in that moment that nope. And so uh so that so that was it. And uh yeah, so coming up I will be graduating shortly, but I did pass. <laughs> I did my senior recital passed. So uh very uh, very happy about that. All right, so that's enough of that. We need to zoom out. I do want to say, as a yeah. teaser, <clears throat> I think it's cool. I was looking at because you know you had all these emails. You have a good access to a lot of stuff from this time period. We're moving into the period of time because we still have what three seasons left? Two, two seasons left. Where I actually have media of things that were happening. As you leave Rochester, my first gig. I do a, a week here in Pennsylvania, but then I, we go to Rochester for two, for almost a year. Uh, so I and I found some video footage. It is not flattering, but of my first gig in Rochester. So I no can't kidding. wait. Yeah. Ooh, that'll be fun. So we we just missed each other. Yep. Two thousand three. I I go in. Two thousand three. Yeah. Yeah. So I was yep. gone. Interesting. All right. Well, let's find out now. You know in great detail what we were doing. <laughs> Uh, on May 5th, the year 2002. Let's talk about what else was going on in the world. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports <laughs> updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. It cannot be overstated what a great read that is. Oh, I mean, Eric, Eric he's a professional. Yeah, he's great. He's dude, great. dude knows what he's doing. Uh yeah, he's a. I'm sure that was a one take wonder too. Uh, it was pretty close. Yeah, I just like and 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 it was great because this one we were in in Cape May and like you're just eating breakfast and like Eric, you want to read something from my podcast? He's like, sure. Do you want to know what it is? Nah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Why would I want to know? Uh, all right. Sure. What the hell? <laughs> all right. So here we are. The top song playing in post is foolish. Uh, by performed by Ashanti, the local cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about a maple tree debate. Boy, let me tell you what's going. Vermont headline news is a debate about maple trees. I couldn't see from the thumbnail what the debate was, but I'm sure it was riveting. Something to do with uh, plug in it. I'm sure it's it has wild sexual overtones. Uh, only you would find wild sexual overtones about a maple tree. <laughs> well, uh, go back and listen to the early podcasts. Uh, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> and the top movie. Folks, this was the pr- opening weekend of Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire's first. Tobey Maguire, the Sam Raimi film, which sort of kicked off our uh, our superhero chaos uh so huge huge opening huge movie uh fun one it's a good movie 
So uh, that's what was going on in the world. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Wait, Keith, wait. (laughs) Why are you upside down? You tell me. I, 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 uh, Spider-Man, baby. We're not going to kiss. That scene. (laughs) No, 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 wrong wrong way, wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, nerd joke, and it really worked for me. Oh, that was bad. (laughs) Oh, wait, maybe in post I can put Christian Channel with... uh, Christian Channel! Why is Betty Buckley not available? Who is it? Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst? Yeah, it's Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, uh, let, uh, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. sports. Oh, things are sad in the NHL. While we were away, the Flyers were knocked out of the playoffs in the first round, four games to one against the Ottawa Senators. The Flyers won game one in overtime. Thriller won the nothing, but amazingly, the Flyers only scored two goals the entire series. Meanwhile, the Bruins also lost in round one to the evil Montreal Canadiens in six games. It was, not surprisingly, a nasty series, and we've got a clip. Hopefully. Hopefully. Here it is. So this is in game six. Oh, shit. PJ Stock was one of the great fighters for the Bruins back in the day. They are going. And then later, this happens. I cannot defend this. I love the Bruins, but. What did he do? He killed him. That was Kyle McLaren just obliterating Zednik completely unnecessarily. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the end of that clip. I I I cannot defend my good Bruins there in that moment. Uh, You know, it it should be noted, Keith, that that's I mean that's ostensibly what Phoenix Cage attempted on me today. (laughs) That type of a hit. Yeah, well, he was he was up in the game, but down in the series, needed to send a message, and uh, it broke Zednik's face. <laughs> like, I, I have to just say this: this is such a non sequitur, but it it will. Um, that'd be a first. Clear. We had to move a bunch of shit out of my mom's house, and my brother and I were just trying. My brother's a huge, strong guy, and I'm, you know, me, and we just could not get this shit out. It's this giant hutch; we couldn't do it. And my mom's like. I've got a hand truck. And we're like, Mom, that, how is we going to get, that thing's not going to have any chance if we can't lift it. Bubble. She reels this little hand truck out, look just like that, but green. And guess what? No problem. Leverage. Like, yeah, I was, and Leverage. she was like. It's all about angles, man. You know, I talked about my mom being feeble. Guess what? She's still smarter than me. Yeah, well, you know, she may be feeble physically, but she's not feeble-minded like her sons. There it is. Fair. Zing. We're all going for Mike today. We're all going for Mike. All I'm right. a human being, goddammit! <laughs> I'm a human being, goddammit! My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! 47 minutes. 47 minutes. Mike, you know we all really love you. You're doing a really good job. <laughs> Thanks, man. 
<laughs> when I texted Keith, I was like, I got to do everything in post. I, I got no time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are now talking, finally. Ooh, you've got a candle. Ooh, mm-hmm. so fancy. That's a, there's a lot going on at, over on Mike's window today. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things are happening. Yeah. He's a lot to contribute. This is exciting. <laughs> we are talking about Season 6, Episode 19, Eat and Run. It is written, guess what? It's David E. Kelly again. He is back. He is in charge. He Baby! wrote this episode all by his lonesome. It is directed by veteran director Dennis Smith, who last directed M. Premi Unplugged. And that leaves us with only one last thing to do. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? My camera's reversed. I'm doing the wrong thing. Now, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Oh. Then what would have happened? He's like, let me go. I want to eat the fish. Um, What's up, Tux? Listen, there's fallout from last week. Uh, Bobby's pissed. Jimmy's pissed. Everybody's pissed. People are pissed. Uh, I think Joey Herrick's back. I see Eugene. Uh... I don't know what the main plot line is, but the B story this week. <laughs> Just going to go to the B story. Is that Eugene and Jimmy finally go to lunch. After all the joking Keith and Mike have done, mm. they go to lunch to squash the beef. After all these episodes, you we're finally going to huh? put it to rest. While they're there, sub. while they're there, someone in the restaurant Eugene is like, wow, the steak's really tough or something. Someone else in the restaurant chokes to death, and the crew has to defend the civil case or uh, you know, do the civil case for the, the victim's family. What? Are you saying my sub shop killed somebody? What's no. going on with that? No, it was the hot dog tuna fish sandwich that we told you was a bad idea. A delicious love sandwich. Yeah, but it's too much to jam. There's just too much to jam in, and maybe it's you should be a try chewing, hazard. huh? That didn't tell you not to chew. Well, I mean, if this is going to be truly a friendship hot dog, there should be no chewing. It should be the teeth should not be involved whatsoever. <laughs> I just, I just short circuited like a thousand things I might have said. <laughs> hey guys, do you want to know something? Uh, yes, yes, I would. If you. Would like to listen to us talk about the actual yeah. episode. You can do that by jumping over to your podcast service of choice. Click on the QR code, which I guess I'll also do in post for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> for no reason. No one has uh, ever used it. We'll see you back for the after show show. <laughs> Season six. Episode 19. Eat and run. I'm hungry for a sandwich. Why wouldn't you Casual tell us Friday, about? Eugene no and Bobby. Have we broken any rules lately? Well, not that I'm aware of. I've never even appeared before this judge. Neither have I. Have we broken any rules lately? <laughs> Sorry to keep you waiting, gentlemen. Thank you for coming. I'll uh, skip the plan. 
this judge is Lisa Baines from Nashville Cocktail, Gone Girl, Royal Pains, and on Deep Space Nine, she was Dr. Renhall in Equilibrium Star Trek! Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Oh, Batman. Oh, Batman. Yo, bad boy, Batman. What? <laughs> that, that's my my Bane <laughs> from Dark Knight Rises. You, did you see that? Jo, uh, Tom Hardy's Bane? Well, yes, but what is that in reference to? <laughs> well, isn't, isn't she somebody Bane? Oh, Lisa Baines is. Oh, wow, okay. you 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 <laughs> took a journey. You went all the way to Gotham and back for that reference. Well, we you know we were in the Marvel universe. Now we're in the DC universe. We're equal equal, equal opportunists. I don't know if That's that was a good right idea. Lawrence O'Malley. <laughs> See, mine was bad. Yours just sounded like somebody underwater and in slow motion, which is pretty accurate. <laughs> Batman. It's weird to see Eugene in a like a like a a, a golf shirt, like a docker. You've heard yeah. of him. We read the papers. Excellent. Then you're halfway you up to speed. see just how jacked Steve Harris. You is. obviously know he thinks he's Hannibal Lecter. Tomorrow's papers will be covering his need for new counsel, which is where you come in. You're it. I beg your pardon. His lawyer fell out. There will be no continuance for Mr. O'Malley. The trial will start the day after tomorrow. Which means I need seasoned criminal defense attorneys who can jump in. Hold Guys, I got it. I got it. You know that episode that was actually like pretty bad where uh, we had a, the character think he was Superman? Uh -huh, what if we uh -huh. did the same episode? Okay. But instead of thinking he's Superman, right. let's pick a really popular movie from like probably around this time and make him the main character of that. Oh, oh, that's a good idea. So we, so we just like choose pop culture references the whole time? And yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, great, great, good idea, great idea. Let's do that. Now, uh, what does Mike think is going to happen? Retcon also thinks that uh, we're going to have a drinking game to play, and it's every time they make a stupid, silly pun or reference to uh, eating human flesh, uh, we have to take a drink. Sounds good? Ah, ah, the old cannibalism game. I love that one. Uh, all right, we're in. Uh, let's see. So instead of fan this episode, which we will still do, we were also going to say drink. If we okay. think something raises that occasion. Hold on a second. The files are being delivered to your office as we speak. You can't just assign what us. What you need to know about the judge, Mr. Donnell, is that she doesn't like to be interrupted. Ooh. The trial starts on Tuesday. You Bobby's will already got a crush be his on lawyer. In fact, I'm assigning your entire firm to it to ensure the bastard doesn't have any inadequate counsel appeals. What about our other cases? I'll we write have... you a note. The entire firm. Jeez. Sorry to do this, boys. But your reputation speaks for itself. I need good lawyers who can jump in on a dime. What happened to his other lawyer? We've never there was a had a client where I didn't need to be in in the your court client that bit day. off his nose. Drink, drink. So if, if we just sort of talked over it, but our our good friend Hannibal. <laughs> according to that line, bit off the nose of his previous lawyer. Do we have to defend that as well, or that's a separate trial? I, I would well, I, I can't give you any spoiler alerts, but spoiler alert, that's a separate trial. Because oh. it's not, you know, murder. Which I is, mean, uh, I imagine he's going to say to somebody, you got a pretty nose, or something like that. <laughs> you got a pretty nose. <clears throat> 
Shiver, yeah, hold on. She have a great big fat nose. <laughs> Would you it pick my the, nose? I'd pick my nose. It puts the Bure nasal strip in the basket. <laughs> the whole it snorts the Afrin before judge? it sleeps. Look, let's not waste time talking about the judge. It is what it is. We have to get ready for the trial. Starting Tuesday. Helen Gamble is the DA. You always so have to start on Tuesday. You don't have any time. Why do you think you're gonna get time? There's no time. There's ne there's never any time. There has ne they have never had time to prepare for a case. I don't think in that they get enough years. credit. They win ninety percent of their cases with zero preparation. I if I wouldn't want time at this point. Like it's an old friend, and they're going on trial in six hours, every Ooh. time. You know, it is hard to make Dylan McDermott unattractive, but I've found the one <laughs> freeze frame that has done it. Oh my God, he looks like the dude at the end of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, whose face is melting. Christopher he looks Lloyd. like me in the Found after picture the from my recital. <laughs> Eugene and I will meet with the client tonight. Eleanor, I need you and Beck to meet oh, with the psychiatrist so. so we're going insanity. Yes, Lindsay, I'd like you and Jimmy to meet with his former lawyer. He's at Mass General in good condition. The guy really thinks he's Hannibal Lecter. That seems to be the question. The prosecution thinks he's faking. Same plot, same plot. It's the same plot. You that, shackled, straitjacket, muzzle. This I think is going to be, be okay. the same. This Has is the shot it? from Jodie Foster in that the Silence of the Lambs. We're recreating. You don't find your guy too funny, counsel. Oh, I missed a, I missed a, a joke. You guard in there or not? I'm going back. Shackled, straitjacket, muzzle. I think you'll be okay. Has he been fit? That a joke? Drink. You don't find your guy too funny, counsel. Cannibalism joke number two! You want a guard in there or not? Up to you. Should we do a count? Up. Oh. That'll be okay. Shot from Silence of the Lambs. When was that? When did the Silence of the Lambs come out? 1991. Why do I know that off the top of my head? I don't know, but I do. Great audio work here. I'm Bobby Donald. This is Eugene Young appointed by the court to represent you. We didn't have time to put a suit on. The judge refused to continue the case. She evidently didn't want to reward you for biting off body parts. That means we go day after tomorrow, which means we have a lot to do. We're going to need your full cooperation. What's your name? Schmanable Flector. Did you miss the part about full cooperation? What's your name? My name is listed in the indictment. I assume the question is designed to elicit what I think. My name is to give you some sense of whether I'm sane. I suggest you take it up with the doctors. All right, look, let's not waste time with you trying to prove you're smarter than me. You're in prison, I'm not. You're sitting there shackled, wearing a muzzle. I'm not. You're the one who could be spending the rest of his life in prison. Do you know your name? Lean in closer. Just tell me. My name is Hannibal Lecter. So it is the same plot. It's pretty much, yeah, yeah. So it's this not, the, the, not uh, a guy. I thought maybe it's just a guy who like is behaving as Hannibal Lecter, but no, he believes he is Hannibal Yeah, Lecter. so, and uh, it feels like an opportune time for Hannibal Lecter, I guess? Guy who I sure hope gets the massive choo-choo-chewing the scenery bumper. 
Oh, yes, indeed. Guys, this is Christopher Shire, who uh, you would know from Along Came a Spider, the V revival, or the remake, the miniseries. He played Nixon in the J. Edgar movie mm-hmm. and uh, was in a, a uh, really guilty pleasure that I keep watching for some reason, but even though it is shit terrible, The Core. Never even heard of it. <clears throat> it's uh, it's one of those like uh, disaster movie ripoffs of Armageddon, but like uh, they have to drill into the uh, core of the earth to turn the magma into something. I don't know. You plan to argue insanity? You murdered and ate three people, Mr. Lecter. Insanity seems to be our best bet. I didn't kill them. The other man killed them. What other man? Who split Percy's? What other man? Ooh, jump scare. But it's a jump scare we knew was coming. It had to come. They couldn't not do it. Doctors think basically he created this man in his head for the murders themselves. He has never denied. Yet, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I really like the Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And I think. Whereas that was, I mean, it, it's tough to like say the Superman thing was schlocky, but this, the, here's the thing. I, 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 I commend thus far the audacity to be like, you know what? Just make him be Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting and, and certainly a, you know, the somebody that crazy would, you know, serial killers are obsessed with other, other serial killers, fictional or otherwise. Like, I, I could totally see it. I, I feel like uh, David E. Kelly was like, you know, he was away working on another show for a bunch of times and he comes back with this script. He's like, guys, I got it. I've got this great script. It's all about this guy. He thinks he's Hannibal Lecter and it's going to spin us off for the rest of the season. It's going to be great. And the writers are like, uh, should we tell him about the Superman yeah, thing? Yeah, we did it. We did it sort of, but that like, but shitty. Just don't tell him. <laughs> just, just, I yeah, it's just, maybe he won't watch. Although I'll tell you what, like, that's why I said at least the audacity, like that one didn't quite work because they couldn't quite get the tone to work. Right. It was like right. sympathetic and, and loony and, and, like, and ultimately sad, but kind also of tragic. supposed to be yeah. funny. Yeah, it was a mess. But if we're going to just go like kind of scary slash moody slash a genre piece, let's do it. Yeah, well, and, and there's, I think there's some value. If you're going to rip off Hannibal Lecter, a- at least acknowledge it, yeah. which is what they're doing. And so that sort of makes sense. Yeah, instead of just doing sort of like a cannibal thing and just like, yeah. Do it just if we're gonna rip it off, let's just do it. Just acknowledge it. Consuming the victims. But it's always the other persona who stabbed the girls. What's the diagnosis? It's all over the map. One of my doctors says paranoid schizophrenia, another says psychotic disorder. The prosecution experts say he's faking it. That he stabbed the girls and he ate this them. This guy's got a nose for the insanity law. defense should he, he ever get caught. It but we were promised me. he got his nose bitten. What do you off. think? He clearly did not. Look, to do what he's done. Yeah, that's a that's he bit his nose. He bit his nose. He didn't bite his nose off. That would have been so much more exciting. Uh, but while we're at it, I know that lawyer from somewhere. Uh, the nose lawyer is played by William Converse Roberts, who we've actually seen as this character before, last on Gideon's crossover. 
Obviously, there's some severe mental deficit here. Is he criminally insane? Did he not understand that what he was doing was wrong? I don't know. All I am sure of Will we hear is the word crazy candy? as he may be. He is not Fine stupid. Candy. Don't ever think you're in charge of him, Miss Dolan. Which was always a part of that movie I didn't like. He'll be in control of you. Because Hannibal Lecter is set up to be this incredibly refined and knowledgeable and educated person. He wouldn't mispronounce Chianti. I think he's making fun of her accent or something. Oh, okay. All right. You fixed it. One of the psychiatrists had him take a polygraph. He passed. Said he was Hannibal Lecter, said another guy killed the girls. He passed the lie detector with flying colors. He could also describe the killings. It was basically like he stepped outside of himself and was watching somebody else do it, and then he would step back into himself to eat them. And the police think he's faking because? He has a nine to five job. He punches in every day as Lawrence O'Malley, pays his bills on time. Are they offering anything? Life in prison. Client turned it down. I guess he's not that crazy. So what? Are we all going to try this? Lindsay, I'd like you to open. Women victims, let's put a woman on the face of our defense. Jimmy, you take the lawyer. We're going to call him? Probably first. Eleanor Beck, you got the doctors. Eugene and I will take the prosecution witnesses. Bobby, a Mr. and Mrs. O'Malley are here. Who? Hannibal's parents. I love that David E. Kelly recognizes the things he knows works about the show like we do. These strategic scenes with the whole cast, money every time. Yep. He would make up fictitious characters and assume their identity. Was Rebecca like smiling or laughing in that take? Who? Hannibal's parents. Watch Lisa Gay. He would make up fictitious. It's like, that's hilarious. The serial killer's parents are here. She thought that they had cut or that was like a take they didn't think they didn't they didn't catch that in the edit, but she definitely. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> I that I feel like that's definitely Lisa Gay and not Rebecca. Oh, totally, one hundred percent. But while we're at it, let's, oh, let's very quickly introduce Houston. Hannibal's parents, which are apparently hilarious to Lisa Gay. Yeah, although it's a credit, it's a credit to the edit and the direction and the cast that we don't see more of those because generally when you watch shows, if you really are watching like the background actors, different things, you can catch a ton of those bad cuts. But that's one of the first I remember from the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they justified it by like, oh, maybe Rebecca just thought it, you know, that uh, Lucy's joke was a little funny, or was just like, this is awkward and smiling, but it's clearly. It's oh, did you get? Do we have coverage for that? No. All right, just keep it in. Whatever. That's that's what happened. Uh, so the parents, uh, the mom is played by Muriel Minot, and the father is played by Terrence Bezor, who uh, here's here's he did uh, the middle walk hard. And uh, some other stuff. But what I think is interesting, and uh, our Star Trek fans will, he is the voice of the Borg Collective in a lot of Star Trek, including uh, a lot of video games, Elite Force 1 and 2, Invasion, but also uh, two episodes of Voyager. He does the voice of uh, the Borg. So Resistance is futile. Identities. I think it made him feel stronger. He started pretending he was Hannibal Lecter about 10 years ago, shortly after the movie came out. Probably so that he could feel dangerous. And at some point, he really thought he was. Mr. Donald, Lawrence would never do these things. 
We want you to hear that from his parents. This is some sort of insanity, but Lawrence, he is not a killer. He took his knife and he gutted her. We're seeing VHS like confession tape here. Cleaning a fish. He resembles did? Warren Beatty, no? The other man. A little bit. She didn't die right away. Okay, look. We have to make a decision here on the restraints. He's going to look like a monster if he's shackled and muzzled. I'm not sitting next to him. He attacked his last lawyer, Bobby. We could petition the court to keep him out light. of the room. I say let him look like a monster. Our Little strategy knows, here though. isn't to make him feel relatable. Juries don't acquit monsters, Rebecca. First thing they teach us in law school, monsters lose. Lots of press attention. No surprise. Anybody who would take the lives of three young women, then cannibalize them, has to have a little insanity going on. There's only one district attorney in all of Boston. Yeah. yeah. Because Alan Lowe disappeared for no reason, maybe Hannibal got him. quality of his acts. Did he know? What he was doing was wrong. Of course he did. Ladies and gentlemen, the evidence will show he tried to conceal his crimes. He tried to avoid getting caught. Why? Because he knew it was wrong. And let's not underestimate or undervalue the true crime of this. He used a can sauce. He didn't make his own gravy. No, no, he bought ragu, and that is something we cannot forgive. Like this ragu. man acted knowingly, reflectively, and methodically. He'd go to the same bar, select a victim. You notice they use her. a different type of like muzzle then because they don't want to infringe on that IP. Follow yeah. her. Well, I and that is abduct her. Certainly, my question about the IP is like. They're referencing a fiction. It's the same thing they did with Superman. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what is fair use referencing a fictional character? Well, that's the thing. They're not, they're calling him Hannibal Lecter. So clearly the name is okay. And they are not saying he is Hannibal Lecter, right? Right. Like, no, which they definitely couldn't do. And they are not, he doesn't look like Hannibal Lecter. He's not wearing the orange jumpsuit and he has a different muzzle on. So they were clearly, specifically, they knew actually beat by beat what they couldn't show. Well, you know, the good thing is their lawyer had already done all of the research previously this season about what you can get away with. <laughs> He's like, I <laughs> got could. it. And we paid so much for Stabbed that lawyer. We got to use this. Then eat her. None of us can fathom what must be happening in Lawrence O'Malley's brain. To fillet three women with a knife. To consume them. Fan. This is not how sane people behave. As this trial goes forward, Seems you're going to look judgy. at this man sitting over there and probably wonder to yourselves whether he's even human. You might look at me and the other lawyers defending him and have questions about our humanity. How can we defend such a monster? Well, our judicial system is about many things. What it's first and foremost about is protecting society's weakest and most vulnerable members. Lawrence O'Malley is severely, severely mentally ill. The evidence we present to you will establish this convincingly. You'll want to ignore it because you're human. 
Your sympathy for the victims, your hatred for our client will make you want to ignore or deny what the doctors tell you. But as jurors, you have an obligation to weigh the evidence. That's your duty. That's why you're here. <laughs> and the evidence will tell you Lawrence O'Malley is insane. Insane in the membranes. It ain't got no brains. That was a good open. Yeah. I mean, best I mean what else could she say? Uh-oh. She looks she's delicious. Sort of a, oh, he's staring at her. We'd had so many complaints about how bad the house smelled. We finally sent an officer. We know this guy. This is Art he took one step inside and Last recognized the odor service? to be decomposing remains. We obtained a search warrant, went to the premises, and quickly found three bodies in the basement in different stages of decomposition. Was anybody else there, Detective? The defendant. He kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's pretty much all I said at the house. I'm sorry. Now, you said the bodies were in different stages. One was basically skeletal. The other two were carcasses. It was extremely gruesome. Detective, did you find anything else? There was a freezer which contained uh, frozen meat, human meat. Oof. Now, you later interrogated Mr. O'Malley at the police station, did you not? Yes where he described each of the killings in detail. According to the coroner, the descriptions were accurate. Thank you, detective. You asked my client his name? Yes. What did he tell you? He said his name was Hannibal Lecter. Did he say he killed the women? No. He claims he witnessed the other man do it. He just... They rarely the have... Man. The same other man for all three murders. Yes. On the tables for the Did lawyers. Did he describe the other man? Yes. The description he gave pretty much matched himself. Maybe because there's they allowed press in, so they're like they. Yeah, because it, it. I mean, it's a big, it's a big courtroom. You know, it, they're not showing that it's being televised, but they they haven't had, they've had it on the witness stand sometimes, but I don't think I've ever seen it on. Hey, I, think it's good, I think it's good budgeting and good set dressing. They have a good set dresser who's like, oh, with this many people from in the gallery, they would they would probably mic them. Yeah. I don't think they're active, but. He would be at the bar three nights a week, easy. Do you specifically remember the defendant? Oh, yes. He was too weird not to remember. I oh, served him wait, many nights. Oh, wait, stop right there. Him. I feel it. The bartender is played by Gordon Michaels. And guess what? This is not his first return. He was an ADA in the civil right, and he was Officer Martin Helms in Infected, and this is his third character, which means you get... We're not supposed to notice the match you've been on the show before. Delicious. you're a Super Bowl guest star, you've come charging back so welcome back to the practice Tasty I 
totally forgot. There's a yeah, Silence of the crazy. Lambs recipe. recipe. That's crazy, dude. Reference. Wow. Be- recipe. All this cannibalism has got me hungry. To women, I did. He was always trying to talk up women. I, I, I never saw him have success. Did you ever see Mr. O'Malley talk to any of these women? I know I saw him talking to the first girl, and uh, I remember the look on her face. It was Wait, like, so if you really think me. about it, right? Okay, so now, Anthony Held, he is in canon, the judge in California. He is also principal, Vice Principal Gruber, who is also in real life on this show, who is also a fictional character on the show Boston Public, which is directly referenced on the show, and Anthony Held as an actor in the fictional movie Silence of the Lambs is now also canon. It's very Stephen King wrote himself into the Dark Tower. It's all over the place, (laughs) yeah. It's so, like, Anthony Held is the thread that holds this entire metaverse together. Yeah, it, there, it's, there are other worlds than these. You that used the word strange, fascinating. weird, kook. Anthony Held Based is on your the observations spoke of, of the wheel of the multiverse, of the yeah. David E. Kelly multiverse. Yeah, yeah, he is the center of the quartet, if you will. Mr. Williams, wow. he seemed nuts. Objection. Lay opinion. I'll allow it. You may answer. He seemed very nuts. And he would come in three nights a week, <laughs> on average? Yes. He would uh, try to talk to women sometimes. Other nights, he'd just sit at the bar, sometimes motionless, like he was in this trance, just staring straight ahead. The guy wasn't right. Just to clarify, Anthony Held plays the prison administrator Childress in the uh, Sounds of the Lambs. We don't need that. Scaring the jury doesn't help us here, Lawrence. Just sit there and be a passive monster. Can you do that, please? Mike, just be a passive right, monster. Look, the facts are pretty much in. Nailed it. The rest of the trial goes to the insanity I issue. I was born. The big decision for us is whether or not to let you testify. <laughs> We'd like to put you up there, but we can't to play if we think you'll strike TV. terror in people. Mm. Forbes is here. That was like whether a really in-focus shot of George Washington. We'd like to put you up there, but we can't if we think you'll strike <laughs> terror. <laughs> and people. Might be the scariest part of the whole show. Forbes yeah. is here. Jimmy's prepping him. Okay. We'll lead with him and then go with the doctors. Oh, that is a hyper. I'd like to right talk there. to her, please. Who? Her. My attorney. Who looks the one who delivered the eloquent opening about like me being one of society's most vulnerable members. Please. Sit. She does look a lot like Jodie Foster. She does. Hello, Clarissa. Oh, brother. Could you leave, Bobby? (laughs) I'd like to speak with Clarissa alone. I'm not Clarissa Lawrence. Jodie Foster wasn't even Clarissa. She was Clarice. And even she's not Clarice anymore. We've got to say the names very definitively so that we can say that this is a commentary. That's right. It's a review, just like us. We're, We're a review, right? Now, if we find out that some girlfriend in his past or his mom's name was Clarissa, or he or or that's gonna be cheesy. But if he actually just has an unhealthy obsession also with Clarissa explains it all from Nickelodeon, uh, then I'm possible. in. 
Then I'm yeah, out. well, and can we give Jodie Foster a break from uh, weird murderers who are obsessed with her? Yeah, she deserves it. Do they know? Does Bobby know? Does he know what? That you're in love with me. He doesn't. I think he might be faking. Hannibal Lecter, isn't that a little too pat? We'll let the prosecution argue that. Experts ready? Oh, I love how meta this episode is. Like the self kind of commentary on the premise of the whole episode is great. Yeah, it's it it is interesting because they're sort of like bouncing back and forth from fictional world to real world. Yeah, but then commenting on it, like, isn't it? Yeah. Come on, Hannibal Lecter, isn't that too pat? Like, yeah. we we yeah. could literally be saying the same thing. They're ready. In fact, and maybe have. They don't think he's faking at all. Jimmy, Forbes is set. What about the muzzle? I think it should come off. We'll take the muzzle off when he testifies. We need to get back. He kept talking about the other man, how he watched the other man stab them. I would gently remind him, Lawrence, there was no other man. The other man is you. He never liked that. He'd ask me to please not say he was the killer. Mr. Forbes, why did you remind him? Well, we were about to start trial. I had to prepare him for things he was going to hear from his own doctors, even. But he just didn't like hearing that, that he was the killer. Friday night, I reminded him again, and that was it. What happened? Yo, maybe Helen Gamble's gonna, in cross-examination, plan B him, but himself, by doing exactly that, pissing him off. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Can you plan He B? just lunged. Plan A. Like a Rottweiler yeah. had me by the nose. In the course of your representation of Mr. O'Malley, what can you tell us about his mental- Objection, he is trying to admit medical opinions again. No, a lay opinion as Your to... Honor, I will stipulate the lay opinion of Mr. O'Malley is he's crazy, but this witness has no foundation <laughs> to present testimony on the issue of legal insanity as it relates to this trial. I'm going to agree. The witness may speak to the defendant's behavior, but leave the psychiatric opinions to the doctors. He's standing up again for some reason. Mr. O'Malley, please take your seat. Mr. O'Malley. Your Honor, at this time I'd ask that the district attorney be disqualified. Why? She and I have had relations. Helen doesn't seem... It was one of those moments where time to see the freeze. Look, it was a a rough night, okay? She momentarily paralyzed. Such you know, Keith, what do they expect? Me to I'm do? so Jump disappointed. I gave such a shitty. What does Mike think's gonna happen when there's sexy all over this thing? Hannibal Lecter's thinks he's banging Lindsay. He probably did bang Helen. Uh, I mean, I, to I, be I dropped fair, the ball. like you, that you said you were gonna bring sexy, and yet you very clearly referenced deep throating a sub. So a hot dog. No, it was the whole sub. Yeah, you're right. But this is sexy. <laughs> stupid media. Helen, I know we agreed to never talk shop at home, but you really should put something on the table. It was a stunt, Eleanor, and you know it. Hey, everybody, look how insane I am. Could be, but not many people eat flesh. The jury's gotta think he's nuts. Jurors are human. At their core, they're vengeful. 
I think you're projecting there. And when they go back to deliberate about what he did to those women, compassion won't be winning out. Tomorrow, the case turns to the doctors, where both sides have their experts lined up. The base illness is paranoid schizophrenia. The fixed false Donna belief Hanover? is that he's Hannibal Lecter. And doctor, does paranoid schizophrenia make a person homicidal? Well, there are no norms. It doesn't necessarily make a person dangerous. It seems with Mr. O'Malley that when he kills, he experiences a psychotic break from his other reality. You lost me there. He becomes somebody else altogether when he kills. The other person. Then he goes back to being Mr. Lecter. Basically, he suffers from paranoid schizophrenia always, and he suffers from periodic psychosis on top of that. Or he's faking. I don't believe he could feign these kinds of symptoms, Miss Gamble. Well, doctor, have you ever like known it. a person to feign schizophrenia or psychosis? Successfully? It would be extremely rare. But it can be done. And in my medical opinion, this Mr. Is O'Malley Lester? is doing it here. Why do you think so? Well, for starters, he's completely functional as Lawrence O'Malley. He goes to work, performs competently there. None of his co-workers have ever seen a sign of Hannibal Lecter. Well, could he just be covering it up? Sure, but why? If he has no compunction about being Hannibal Lecter with the police, why would he cover it up with others? <gasps> I'm sorry. He's staring at Lindsay in the courtroom. I'm sorry. And you know sorry. what? You know what How that stare deserves. The- that was a really good stare. And if you can, uh, if you can do it with just your eyes. Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. Massachusetts, 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 Massachusetts. The spoke that holds us all together, Anthony Held. Guy was looking right at me. Look, it didn't hurt us. It's not like we're pretending he's nice. No, but it doesn't help if it seems even we're afraid of him. Oh, come on, he's tied up like a rabid dog. Everyone in that room is afraid of him. The problem is, if they think of him as a dog, crazy or not, they're going to want to put him to sleep. He has to be a little sympathetic. Does he understand that? I've told him over and over. I think Lindsay should take his direct. Me? You take him. Look, in a way, you represent the victims. Exactly. He also seems to be softer with you than he is with Bobby or me. Have Jimmy take him. He's good at bringing out soft sides. Look, any one of us could do it. You'll be the most effective. His best chance to be sympathetic is you. Not a good idea. No. And this whole thing about taking the muzzle off, the last time we had this exact same case, uh, remember how it ended? The guy jumped out the window. He did jump out the window, yeah. Yeah. So, just saying. He didn't have his cape. You okay? Yeah. It really went a lot with this super, super shallow field, depth of field in this episode. A lot of shots. Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you exactly why. And that is, uh, the. there's a lot of good and interesting camera work in here because Dennis Smith uh, is one of the main cinematographers on the show who branched out into directing while he was doing this. Uh, so that's go. his whole deal. He really scared you, didn't he? It's very effective in the 3-4 uh, aspect. So they're having to rack focus back and forth. The way cool. he looked at me. I'll tell you this, Bobby. He's not faking. I looked into those eyes. They were the eyes of insanity. 
Look into these eyes and you will see He it's... wants to take a bite of me We're laying here in bed in full makeup <laughs> I think you still have your two-piece on <laughs> Not sleeping unless I've got my eyes done. (laughs) And Hannibal's creeping before this episode is done. Why you turned on? (laughs) (laughs) Is that a hot dog and turn a sum in your pants? Oh, now the keys changed. Oh, the keys changed. (laughs) Did you not hear my question? Did you know these women? I'd met them. I can't lay claim to knowing them. You met them at Hannigan's? Yes. They weren't particularly Uh, kind. Crazy Miss Hannigan doing it again. Can you tell the court how you happened to see them get killed? Well, on each occasion, I followed them. And in the parking lot, I saw them get abducted by the other man. Yes, yes, they were doing, uh, I just waited for them to do their musical number, singing about their hard knock life, and then I just uh, took off with them, and then brutally murdered them and ate them. That's, uh, Could you describe this that's grim. other that's grim. man? I never got a very good look at his face. Uh, he was about six feet tall, lanky. And he abducted these women in the parking lot? Yes, he dragged them into his car. Will you pass the salt? I think they liked him. (laughs) But for some reason, they didn't want to go with him. Okay, and what did you do? I followed. He drove them to an abandoned pier on the harbor. And he would stab them there and drive off. I, I, I tried to help each of them, but I was always too late. They were dead. There was nothing to be done. So I ate them. Slathered them in BBQ and just went for it. How did these women end up in your basement, Mr. O'Malley? I I drove them there from the pier. And sir, can you tell the court why you would eat these women? Because they were so beautiful. Like you. The book of Genesis tells us that woman came from man. When man consumes the woman, it makes him one with her. And by eating them, I know they will go to heaven. Because I am going to heaven. And they will go with me. Guys, if you're looking for uh, write down some pickup lines. Uh, So what are you doing Friday? Well, I was thinking I could eat your ass right to heaven, baby. Oh, well, that (laughs) sounds kind of kinky. Oh, no, I'm speaking quite literally. Keith, <laughs> ring the bell. Keith and I, Keith and I had a side bet when we first started the podcast. He was like, "Who do you think is going to say eat their ass first? And <laughs> all these years later, it looks like I win. <laughs> I can't believe it took this long. <laughs> that might be the most graphic thing I've said. <laughs> Hi, Keith's mom. I would like to apologize for saying eat that ass um, <laughs> on the internet for your son who didn't say it, but uh, just by association, I'd like to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You think my name is Clarice? 
Clarissa. That's all I have. I'm going back. You'll be going to heaven. Clarice. Okay, that's a direct threat. Yeah, but... But... He called her Clarissa before. He slipped up, and now he called her Clarice after she corrected him in the office. That's, that's, that is let's true. Let's note that. Note that's a good note. That. Noted. Is Bobby recognized? Is Bobby Colombo? You think that? my name is Clarice? That's all I have. Lindsay clocked it. Come on, Helen. Piss him off. What did the other man do with the knife? I don't know. Funny how it never turned up, like it was hidden or disposed of carefully. The other man really knew what he was doing, I guess. You sucked my fluids to make me one with you. Wow. How That's correct. All right, Keith's mom, I would like to apologize for the character on this television so saying suck his fluids. I'm not sure that it is worse than eat that ass, but I'd say pretty close. Well, you know what's helpful? Uh, you, you know you know what fluids can help you with? Mike is thirsty. He's thirsty. Eat that ass. Told your coworkers your real name. This you went bad. to work every We're day as Lawrence O'Malley. You did your job as Lawrence O'Malley. Collected your paychecks, paid your income taxes. You did everything. As Lawrence O'Malley, why didn't you tell people you were really Hannibal Lecter? It makes it difficult to invite somebody over for dinner. That's clever. Would you have sexually engaged with me had you known my true identity? When you saw these women murdered, I do by this like other man. That Helen is just why brushing not go to that the aside. Yes, I was afraid of being a suspect since I was there. You could have prevented other women from being killed. Surely you have a conscience, or do you? By the time I realized he was a serial killer, bodies were in my basement. I, I didn't know what to do. So you just let women continue to be murdered? I am trying to help now. Oh, you're helping now? Yes. I gave the police a partial description I told them where he kills. Instead of persecuting me, you should be looking for him, especially since... Since what? He's planning to kill Clarice. Not, it's not good. Made it to the elevator. You okay? Eating it up while he's going down. I thought your direct went great. Good to hear. Uh, uh, dear friends and colleagues. Uh, Lindsay's been through some shit. Maybe we shouldn't, we should let her out, out, out of this case and let her go home and fucking not be a part of it anymore. You mean not be the target of the third serial killer this poor one person has been the target of? Jeez, Linz, shake it off. Literally the third serial killer after this one person. I don't want to win this case. I don't want him going to some state mental facility that he'll be able to break out of in a week. 
Okay. No! I went through this with Hanks. I don't want to go through it again. She's I right. don't want to win this case. Correct. You should go in there. Rebecca D. teaching Bobby how to be saying? a man. This could be nothing. What? Jeannie Tanner is a friend of mine. She works at the coroner's office in Suffolk. There's an unsolved murder. Happened seven weeks ago. 28-year-old woman stabbed to death, found behind the Marriott. Last seen alive at Hannigan's bar. Seven weeks ago? Lawrence O'Malley was in custody. It's exculpatory Snap. evidence, and they held it. This is not exculpatory. It has nothing to do with the case. Woman stabbed, seen in Hannigan's bar. Come on. This was a robbery victim. The woman was stabbed once. We should have been told about it, Helen. The state has no obligation to inform the defense of every other homicide. Oh, please. This one either fits the pattern or comes damn close. I don't agree. Come on, Ms. Gamble. It's close enough. But, counsel, explain to me the harm. We may have had another defense available. Which is? Somebody else is killing these women. Oh, come on. My client has always maintained the other man killed these girls. We now have knowledge of the other man. You've got to be kidding. Your Honor, we should at least be allowed to change our plea and argue the elements. In addition... First we... of all, this is absurd. Second, you can't just change a plea. We got stuck with this case on Sunday. Sunday. Casual Sunday. Now we find Sunday, out the prosecution Sunday. knew of another murder that fits the pattern. At the very least, we should be able to change our plea. It means one extra witness on this other killing. It doesn't inconvenience the court. Ugh. I'm going to go back. I know I paused right in the middle of a great scene. But goddamn Cameron. That sort of, she, she, they, she didn't have a line. And she knew she didn't have a line, but she saw that camera on her face. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to, like, support him and give him the fuck yeah, Eugene. Just bring it. with my face. So good. Now we find out the prosecution knew of another murder that fits the pattern. At the very least, we should be able to change our plea. It means one extra witness on this other killing. It doesn't inconvenience the court. And to deny us this, you just guarantee my client an appeal. Okay. I'll let you plead in the alternative. I don't believe this. Ms. Gamble, you should have revealed that other murder. Be glad I don't find misconduct. How's she doing? She's okay. She's a little... She's okay. Hunted by three serial I am killers? not okay. <laughs> Lindsay... What's wrong with you? I'm not okay. Somebody can beat you half to death and you can go back to being okay the next day. You're always okay. Bobby's okay. That's how you handle things. You're okay. Do not forcibly remove her. Which he did. Please don't embarrass me like that in front of the office. Fuck off, Bobby. Please don't Bobby. embarrass you. Bobby is an asshole. I said it once, I'll say it again. I wouldn't want that from my husband. I wouldn't even want it from a friend. So Bobby is an asshole. asshole. And I don't think it's gonna change. Fuck you, Bobby McDonald. Gonna always be the same. Yeah, that's a number one hit. Bobby think, is an asshole. Michael and Deglio, 2021. And what was left of his voice? <laughs> Didn't have notes before. You got, I got damn stabbed well, two you years got him ago. now. I got stabbed, Bobby. A man stuck a knife into me three times. 
we're going to go back and listen to this whole thing uninterrupted. Yeah. Um, but prescient, as always, look at what's going on in the Olympics, Simone Biles, a discussion about mental health and not being okay and being okay to say I'm not okay. Yeah. Hey, you know, for all the shit we've given David E. Kelly, guess Love what? This. Love this. Here, here we go. Let's talk about it. And she's right. And 100%. I can't believe, I can't believe they wrote Bobby this way. I, th- well, but it's consistent. Like, Bobby is so about, like, the appearance of, like, everything's fine, everything's calm. It's very, like, waspy. And, uh, you know, at the expense of kind of everyone around him, he's got to maintain that image of, like, the put together, everything's okay. You know, New England wasp. I get it. I got, maybe, I know I'm a snowflake and all, but <clears throat> when I was cringed when he put his hands on her. Yeah. Absolutely. She's okay. She's a little... She's okay. I am not okay. Lindsay... What's wrong with you? I'm not okay. Somebody can beat you half to death and you can go back to being okay the next day. You're always okay. Bobby's okay. That's how you handle things. You're okay. Please don't embarrass me like that in front of the office. Please don't embarrass you? I got stabbed two years ago. I got stabbed, Bobby. A man stuck a knife into me three times. I almost died. And then Hanks stalked me. I'm not okay. I have never gone back to being okay, no matter how much that you insist that I have. I'm just, I'm not okay. <laughs> Great work. You're not off the hook, Bobby. The cause yes. of death. No, I'm you, Bobby. That's correct. And the victim, Jill hey! Hanover, was at Hannigan's bar the night she was killed? Yes. What's up, right? in an alley. Did she order espresso gelato? She might off have, of yeah. Commercial Street by the harbor. Is that right, Detective? Yes. And Miss Hanover was killed on March 26th? Yes. And do you have any leads or suspects at this time, Detective, relating to this murder? No, we do not. Is this killing related to the three murders which are the subject of this trial? We don't believe so. Why not? Well, Miss Hanover was stabbed once in the neck. The other girls were stabbed multiple times in the abdomen and the sternum. A different knife was used for Miss Hanover. The body was also dumped in an alley as opposed to being transported to a basement and consumed. Miss Hanover was African-American and overweight. These other three victims were white with conventionally attractive figures. We determined that she was simply a robbery victim and that her death was completely unrelated to the other three. Can you prove that, Detective? Obviously, we can't prove anything until we catch this other suspect. The other suspect? Okay, just arguing the alternative, insanity, and the possibility there really is another man. I mean, why is Lindsay there? Why is Lindsay there? There's no answer to that. Because Bobby's an asshole. Yeah, but she should also not be there. She should remove herself from that situation, yes. But also, no, I can't put that on her. 
they should not, they, sh that should have been enough, that outburst to be like, oh fuck, we, we done fucked up. We got to, Lindsay, go home, honey. Well, that should have been, well, I mean, honestly, like all of the, I mean, because like Rebecca got blown up by Hicks, like everybody there and, 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 uh, and Eleanor freaking shot him. Shot, shot Vogman. Like everybody right, should be recused by theories. count of having mutually been attacked and or killed a serial killer. I was just, I was just penning my, not penning. I was just thinking through my spare tires where I was like, wow, they really handled this. And then I'm like, Ugh. all permits us to present alternative defenses. It's risky, but it's in our interest to do so here. Well, it's in keeping Where's with Clarice? the characters. Never mind. Is she all right? I'm right here. I'm sorry, I frightened you. If anything ever happened to you, you know, I'd make sure you go to heaven. Hey, shut your mouth. I don't want you talking to her anymore, you got that? That's not the help she needs, buddy. No. I don't think Bobby's been going to the therapy. No. The fact that they have thrown in this 11th hour theory Maybe somebody else did it. Closing time? Oh, it sure is. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. In full makeup. It's closing time. Otherwise your client's dead. And consumed. That evidence shows the desperation of the defense, ladies and gentlemen. First, he's Hannibal Lecter. Then zip, throw in a psychotic break. Then what the hell? Why not? Let's say it was another man after all. Lawrence O'Malley brutally stabbed three women who rejected his advances at a bar. It is that simple. Maybe he is really crazy enough to eat human flesh, but we don't let murderers go because they consume their victims. This is a competent, highly functional man who went to work every day, lived a rather normal life, never flashed Hannibal or insanity to anybody. And here, we see him flashing it at every turn. Suddenly, he's standing up saying he and I had sex. He's calling his attorney Clarice. He bites off a lawyer's nose. So many sudden acts of insanity after 40 years, without a sign. It's a little convenient, don't you think? He's trying to feign legal insanity to get away with his murders. <clears throat> Three doctors who examined him testified he's faking. And he's hoping you fall for it. How come nobody clocked the Clarissa but Just thing? in case you don't. Because that Lin happened did. in chambers. Maybe another man did it after all. Helen's not aware of that. Worth a shot. He's been laughing at us this entire time. And it doesn't benefit our team to release yeah, you're us. right. You're right. Don't give him the last laugh. We put up three doctors who said he wasn't faking. They believe he's insane. A base illness, a paranoid schizophrenia, coupled with psychotic breaks. You heard the expert's testimony. And now we learn another woman was killed leaving Hannigan's bar, killed while Lawrence O'Malley was in custody. The police think it's unrelated, but can they prove it? You heard Detective McGuire. They can't. 
The state hasn't met its burden here. And as a matter of law, you must acquit. Ms. Gamble, rebuttal? Hold on, Your Honor. <clears throat> We're doing our closing in tandem. Mr. Donald took the first part. Very well. Weird. Bobby doesn't seem prepared for it. The most outstanding question concerns the 12 of you. We have a man sitting here clearly psychotic. We know he eats people. He quite possibly kills them. Nobody, nobody likes the idea of him being anywhere except in a maximum security prison. But we all have our duties here. They prosecute, we defend, and you you determine whether guilt was proven beyond all reasonable doubt. The 12 of you have the nastiest job of all because to execute your duty, you have to find this man not guilty, which of course you don't want to do, but you must. The expert testimony was a wash at best. They put up doctors to say he's faking. We put up just as many to say the schizophrenia was real as was the psychosis. On the insanity, there's no escaping doubt with all the conflicting opinions. And as for the other man, well, there was another man who stabbed a girl leaving Hannigan's bar. It happened while Lawrence O'Malley was in custody. That means it's possible, possible. Things happened just as Mr. O'Malley claimed. He followed these girls out of the bar. He saw another man abduct them. He saw another man stab them, drive off before Mr. O'Malley took the bodies back to his basement. And this isn't some 11th hour theory we're throwing out in desperation, by the way. The police knew about this other murder and they never told us. And we must ask ourselves, why? Why didn't they tell us? You've got reasonable doubt on the insanity. You've got reasonable doubt on the killings themselves. Two very big questions. The third question, the biggest. Are the 12 of you going to stay true to your oath and uphold the law? Better close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's Dude, the question. Like, Did you see that one jury guy who I don't know what take that was, but I'm going to pause it. He is clearly not in the scene. <laughs> so what's your take now? Mike, you're on the jury. Based, oh, on what, based on what we've seen, based on your obligation, is he innocent, guilty, or insane? Well, <clears throat> that's a that's a tricky question, Keith. I know it's loaded. Um, I'm gonna say, all <clears throat> if I could if I could exclude all of the things I know from the episode outside and just like from what I've seen presented in the courtroom, right? I'm leaning towards. I think they've. I think it's it's hard not to see the dude as crazy and say, like, if you're still going to like crazy prison. Like, I don't know what happens if you say guilty by 
criminal insane, criminally insane or whatever like that. Um, I think that that's probably where I would fall down. But knowing television, knowing tropes of television and this episode, blah, 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 the fact that I would say, oh, maybe it was just um, they missed something in an edit, but the fact that Lindsay in Chambers was like, oh, you think my name is Clarissa, and corrected him, and then since her correction, he referred to her as Clarice all the times, I right. think he's faking it. I, I, I And but what I'm more curious about, interestingly, than the case right now is why Eugene's so pissed at Bobby. Or why well, you think he, he did such a shitty job. He's going to explain. Of course he is. How'd it go? Jury's got it. If you didn't want to close, why didn't you just say so, Bobby? My closing You phoned it in. You stood up there. Back up, Eugene. Nobody closes like you can, and that was half-assed by the numbers. I said back up. All right, cut it out. We don't need this. Look, I don't want that guy on the street either. That's not what this is about. We have a job to do. Everybody oh. in this room did their job, even Lindsay. It was your job to deliver your best, Bobby, and you were up and down in 30 seconds. What are we? Huh? Some clients we try our hardest for, others we pull back? When the hell are we? So Bobby was a bad husband and a bad lawyer today. It's not Bobby's episode, really. Keith, should we tell the people now? This is the first ever awarding of the Douchebee. <laughs> oh, I don't think this is the first time Bobby's gotten that. <laughs> the Doopsie? Uh, that's a hard one to say. The Douchey. The Douchey. The Douchey. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. Beckity? I don't disagree, but it's his wife, Eugene. Remember, Maybe you used to have one have of those. To excuse him because of that. Oh, ouch. But I would think you could understand. Cool shot that Eugene is in focus, but Rebecca is not, even though she's the one talking. Clerk's office just called. They have a verdict. Not good. That was quick. Courtroom is packed. Very expensive episode with all the extras. Is the Clarissa Clarissa thing going to be the weird twist at the end? Just the defendant will please rise. I'll show you on the streets, Clarissa. Mr. Foreman, the jury has a unanimous verdict. Not yes, guilty. your honor. What say you? Commonwealth versus Lawrence O'Malley on three counts of murder in the first degree. We, we find the defendant kinda hungry. Find the defendant Lawrence O'Malley not guilty. On Thanks, three Eugene. counts of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant Lawrence O'Malley not guilty. Straight, not guilty. Your Honor, the Commonwealth seeks to place the defendant under arrest for concealing and consuming human bodies. Crimes. Hold on, my client was only charged with murder. These crimes would be lesser included offenses. Double jeopardy would attach. I agree. You can't now oh. arrest him for lesser included, Ms. Gamble. The defendant has been found not guilty. He is free to go. 
this cup, David. Please release Ellie. him from the restraints. <laughs> Your Honor, this man is clearly dangerous. This gamble, he's been acquitted. He's free to go. We're adjourned. Bobby, you are free to move. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking gut pouch. He's gonna call it Clarissa now. Thank you, Bobby. Eugene, you were sensational. Clarissa? Clarice? Intimidating. I'm glad it's over. It wasn't that we thought he was innocent. In fact, we all figured him to be guilty. We just couldn't get there beyond reasonable doubt. Not with that other murder. Ray Abruzzo. <laughs> it's I'm all sorry. your fault, right? I think it's the way I handle things. If I can pretend I'm okay, then. So I. It's called toxic masculinity. And uh, just a straight up warning, Bobby, in about 20 years, there's a fucking reckoning. So uh, maybe start start your therapy now, bud. It's time to make a change for once in your life. I'm going to feel real good. Probably shouldn't elicit Michael Jackson right now. N no. Not elicit. Uh, invoke. Let's see. It's not just me. You never talk about how you feel. You keep it all in until you just explode. Why would she with him? What has he done to make her... It isn't just me here. ...feel like she'd want to? Ooh, that's such a guy thing. Listen, I'm sorry, but you, it, it's, it's your, your fault, fault too. <laughs> yeah. At least two. I, le I will only acquiesce to it's both our fault. <laughs> and then accusing her of doing the exact same thing he's doing. We both need to do better, Bobby. You it is reflective I, of general n relationships, though. Yeah. We won't make it. Wow. We won't. For a dark apartment, it's so well lit. Hmm. Is that it? I got questions! Whoa! There it is! Folks, Next. you have listened to us listen to Season 6, Episode 19, Eat and Run. We will be back for the After Show Show! And we are b -b -back, b -b -back, baby. back Baby with co-host, it's Charlie. Hey, what's up, Charlie boy? He was upstairs and he was bored. Now he gets to participate in our after show show. All right. Well, you know what it's time for, and I can't hit the button because I'm holding Charlie. Let me make <clears throat> us 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. 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 Hey, guys. Some guy who thinks he's Hannibal here, and he, uh, he's got the face shebang and all, and we've only got a day to prepare to defend him. 
he may be crazy. He may have done it. There may be another guy. We don't really know. They dropped some breadcrumbs, which lead us to believe there might be a second episode. But at the end of the day, Lindsay is petrified. She's stalked again. Uh, Bobby's an asshole. And uh, Eugene does such a great close, he walks out. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Well, okay. Thank you for spilling all over my desk. You know... Uh, you bring a cat onto the podcast because he's bored to try to make his life a little bit more interesting. And he knocks over your Coke Zero because yeah. that's uh, what happens. But while I'm cleaning it up, can you uh, bat clean up on your uh, recaps in a segment we call... Hannibal Lecter, is he nuts or is he real? Lecter ate and ran. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Another excellent haikupsi from Mr. Mike Indeglio. Now, uh, it's time to hand out some hardware, folks, in a segment we call... The Out of Practice Podcast, <laughs> in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Tommy! Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake awards show. I don't know. Is it real yet? It might be I real. I feel like six seasons in at this point. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, we've, we've done a lot of them. Uh, but uh, we always, whether it's fake or real, we begin with... Never stops being funny. Well, uh, this is, there's, we have to really get into some philosophical questions here. Uh, by our general benchmarks, Keith, <clears throat> if, the, if, if the goal of our lawyer is to successfully defend our client, then the firm wins this week and would probably not have had it not been for that swoop-in last-minute close by Eugene Young. So, vis-a-vis, he gets awarded my oopsie. Was it a great great move for Lindsay? No, but... No, I, it's, it's a no-brainer. Of course it's Eugene. Like, it's... I mean, yes, of course. In the, in the real world, it wasn't so hot. You know, it, was, it wasn't the most valuable, I don't want my friend to get murdered guy. It was the most valuable lawyer. So, yeah, it's, of course it's Eugene. Eugene crushed it in it, his it, clothes. It does feel, though, it does feel like, uh, we'll talk about it. You know what, we'll talk about it in tires. I was just going to say, I feel like as an audience member, I don't, they, I feel like they didn't dictate to the jury what their decision was enough for me. Because... Oh. Jury instructions about the implications of the various verdicts 
Yeah, I didn't get that instruction as a jury member. I could have used that as an audience. What are the rules when you have that, insanity? That's what I'm saying. Versus, yeah. I'm sure that they were given. I'm, it seemed like Eugene was surprised that the, he was expecting a uh, not guilty, but still By insane. version of insanity. Yeah, there's got to be like some sort of version of that where he still goes to insane prison, which is, but like we, they didn't really dictate that to us. So it left me a little like we, confused. Yeah, I I, th I think there's and again we're this is the wrong segment for it, but I, I, I think there is there is guilty, not guilty by way of insanity and not guilty, and the jury chose flat not guilty because of the second killer. Yeah, because no, be, yes, because and because the <clears throat> charge was murder, not cannibalism and body disposal, which Helen tried to do at the end. So from their perspective. If there's another killer out there, then maybe you know, then there might be reasonable doubt in terms of the murder. There wasn't reasonable doubt whether he ate them, but that wasn't the charge. So that's on Helen. Yeah. That's on Helen for not including those charges specifically. Because you have first degree, second degree, third degree murder, you add on top of that this other charge. But she was so confident she was gonna get the murder that she for forgot, I guess, to put those other charges in there. And uh, so this is really all Helen's fault. It's not Eugene's fault. It's Helen's fault. All right. Well, we that's their most valuable lawyer. Let's uh, let's bring our best. This is like a running, being running from uh, the serial killer dance for. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. Guys, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you're really missing out on some comedic gold. We're, the bumpers don't just play, okay? Yeah, yeah. We really get we into give you our craft. A multimedia experience. <laughs> not all Someone experiences are good. 4D. 4D. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, shout out to that lawyer who had his nose bit off. Uh, congrats for the IMDb credit. Uh, great job by the victim's parents who were like, what? He ate my daughter. <laughs> Not no, guilty. no. That was the killer's parents. Oh, yeah. Wh okay. Uh, the better impression. What? He ate their daughter. Yeah. I don't think they Should wanted him out on the street. Should have more, I guess. Uh, yes. Uh, here's what I, here's here. Listen. We played the Massachusetts bumper, all that stuff. But here's the thing. He t went a different way. He did not chew the scenery. No, he they, absolutely uh, didn't. That's they true. did all the scenery chewing via like camera work and jump scares and the mask and stuff. So I, I thought that was restraint in both direction and in performance. And, uh, you know, the Hannibal Lecter guy. Yeah, Christopher the, Shire. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, obviously it's it's him. And, and, and you're right. I think because we have had such scene chewing killers out there and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you had Hanks, and you had Michael Monks, and you have, and we just had John Larroquette. I think it was a good decision to be more restrained here, and uh, let the mask do the work. So, congratulations, Christopher Shire, on your best guest actor award. Here comes the next one. 
You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show We got some really great use of our most of our cast. Even even they get even got Marla a, a scene in there, and uh, we got to see Rebecca Rebecca Ing. We mm-hmm. got to see. I guess Cameron didn't get to do too much, but she did get to whip out her superpower face acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got to see Steve Harris being pissed off. Eugene Eugening. Uh, Eugene Eugening. Listen. For to Dylan, we might hate Bobby in this episode and hate everything he's doing, but I viscerally have a passionate distaste for what's happening, and that's that ain't Dylan McDermott, the nope. the, the actor. He, you know, he is acting, he's playing he is the character, portraying Bobby Car- by yeah. Bobby Donald, and that is to be commended because you don't read the script and go, "Oh goody, I get to be a douchebag this week," you know, <laughs> right. especially when, when you're the lead of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, but that all said. I think we're probably in agreement. I think Kelly Williams. Yeah. Speaking, look, the, 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 when the, there are times when the stakes, it might feel like it's easy. Oh, the stakes are so high for this character. That must be easy to get to a place. I think at some point they get so high that it can almost, almost go to a place of like, uh, where we where some artifice could enter in, and at no point is that the case. From the personal drama to the to the to the relationship drama there, there's level it's it's just authentic it's heart-wrenching and it's beautiful and i it's it's easy to hand her the oops yeah i mean i think this is kelly's best work of the series so far in my opinion i because i think uh you know you talk about how the material helps or hurts you in this case i think the material helped her because the emotional journey that she was on made sense you know, it was sort of like based on the the cumulative experience of this character. This completely makes sense. This is this is exactly what the character would be should be feeling in this way. And so she has the opportunity to just go for the ride of of that scene. It was very well written, very well explained. I I, I thought her she her character was articulated what was going on really well, and and Kelly supported that with I frankly think it's her best work of the series. So. Uh, congratulations, Kelly Williams, with your Best Actor Award. Coming up on somebody who allegedly might also be a serial killer. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Some people say that Tom Brady's a serial killer. That is not the official uh, the, the Out of Practice podcast is not saying that or inferring that. Just some people are saying... So, along those lines, Keith, uh, have, have these been happening, by the way? I, I, I keep wanting to commend your previous work, but then I realize I'm just, like, saying things. Look, I've been busy. The <laughs> Star Trek show is so much graphics. I promise I'm going to do them bef- before. Well, this is your reason to yeah, watch we're, we're, the we're season get, ending yes. oopsies. Because we will get them all in a row. We'll take a little bit more time because most of them will not have been seen before. <laughs> So we this will week, show, Keith, yeah, and and it does force you to actually have to like watch our shows a little bit, at least enough to remember what I said. Uh, mm. <clears throat> this week's winner for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady is Tom Brady, who just ate dot 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 something. <laughs> uh huh. Tom Brady, who just ate 
something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Congratulations, Tom Brady, who just ate something. Next up. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. All right. So uh, we're firing away, uh, kids. We are we are narrowing down the season. I, uh, this I'm so is curious what you're going to say. Yeah. I have to imagine, due to factors and how close we are to the end of the season, that this thread, this plot arc, is not complete. That that we are going to continue, but I can't say that with certitude because it doesn't say part one. It doesn't say That's to right. be continued. That's right. There's no indication that it continues. However, I find it hard to believe that one day leave that hanging Chad, if you will, the Clarice Clarissa thing. Topical. Uh, <laughs> that uh, with no explanation or we don't revisit it, that we just let him off scot-free after saying that he wants to save Lindsay and send her to heaven, i.e. eat her. Mm-hmm. And just end the episode. And then we never hear about it again. And we just like start something new for the next, what is there, two episodes left? Three episodes? Uh, Two left. Three left. I don't know. So, An amount left. So I'm pretty, and, and David's writing again. So I feel like we're going to revisit it. But I, I'm going to, but I guess we, we, we rank these in a vacuum. So <sighs> it's funny because of how viscerally we, we kind of dissected three more. The, super, the Superman plot. And this is the same plot, ostensibly. But I really thought this was much more successful. I thought that the homage to Silence of the Lambs worked because they commented on it. And they commented on the silliness of it only once. And then they used that that uh, skepticism towards what we might feel about the episode towards their client, which I thought was an interesting uh, um, parallel that that helped the show. I thought the writing was also better. Um, and I thought that the emotional stakes and beats for our characters better aligned tonally throughout the episode's journey better than previously. I also thought it was incredibly shot. I also thought it was really well directed. The jump scares were... were homages to the Silence of the Lambs and fit with the tone of the episode. Jet in any other episode, we'd be like, whoa, what the hell was that? But this, it was, that's what this was about. It was a horror, gothic horror episode, right? A, a, a suspense-filled sort of, uh, you can't downplay really interesting relationship drama, which I think is super grounded and super earned. You know, we've, We've been bitching about Bobby this whole episode, and Lindsay got her chance to explode. Now you could say that, oh, there, the, the apology at the end is mansplaining all those things, but it it wasn't like she was over it. She's like, our marriage is going to fail because of this. Yeah. You know, she's. It's not like they just kiss and made up. This, this, that is an ongoing plot point as well. Uh, Eugene being sort of dis disillusioned. To, no, I think you can almost see himself recognize that he's talking out of both sides of his mouth sometimes. He's like, we got to yeah. fight for our clients, but like, what are we doing here? Which is a question we we, we used to visit every the episode time. at the bar, yeah. but we really haven't explicitly stated and questioned. And I think it's a great way to kind of bring us back to where we began. And I love 
that we end emotionally unresolved here. We did our job, we won, but we let a psychopath out that the whole trial, even in our closing, we said he's a psychopath. Like, Eugene, is, he, he sums it down. That's, he doesn't even need a, 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 haiku, a haiku. What are we doing here? That's really it. That's, that's it. That's the thesis statement. And uh, I think I'm really interested in where we all are uh, and where we're going. And you have to, at least we do know that there's only three episodes left. Like, how, where are we going to bring this? And, and Helen, her journey up to now and like where she, where she left, she lost the case because of absolutely the, 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 the other case that they didn't disclose and and they didn't bring the right charges, they didn't bring the lesser charges, mistakes were made. She lost the case yeah. as much, if not more, than they won it. All of these things, a lot of times we get great little pieces, but they don't fit together well. Somehow, these all fit together really, really well and set the table really well. I'm excited about it. Uh, did I like it more than Joey Herrick? I liked it different. Mm -hmm. I liked it different. I thought on the whole, it's probably, it's definitely a better episode. It's, it's, the direction is to be applauded. The cinematography was excellent. The performances were so excellent. And it was an ensemble performance and wasn't as, you know, there wasn't one character who sucks the air out of the room, which is what Joey Herrick does and we get it and it's cool. I think I'm going to bump myself a little, I'm going to overtake myself from last week and wow. I'm going to give it 9.1. One spare tires. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's the Clarissa thing. I, there, there's uh, unfinished business there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. It, if you, you know, like let's let's pretend we're in a vacuum, and uh, let's say before I saw this episode and I didn't know all the things that are coming because I hadn't seen it before, you said, okay, so here's here's the pitch. We're going to have another serial killer. This one is going to think he's Hannibal Lecter. And he's going to be a cannibal. And we're going to have to do this. And he's going after Lindsay again. And he's going to call her Clarissa, Clarice, whatever. I would be like, are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Are absolutely. you going to do another one of these? It's going to be schlock. And yet... This episode is executes that better than actually most of the ones coming before it. And I'll tell you why. Because the emotional beats make sense. And you referenced this too. That it's not just a crazy chin-suing, <laughs> scene-chewing <laughs> I always get by the time the oopsies I'm inverting words it's it's sad uh but you don't just have like this crazy serial killer it's about the emotional beats for everybody else and because those really made sense and the character work made sense and it didn't take place in a vacuum so that we forgot that this is the third time a serial killer has latched on to Lindsay uh all of that, even though 
you know, on paper, it's so ridiculous. But like they did when they acknowledged the silliness of having him be Hannibal Lecter, they acknowledged a little bit the silliness of this having been the third time. And yet, and, and I think sort of took the air out of the ridiculousness a little bit by A, acknowledging it, and B, having the the emotional elements, the emotional beats make sense, and the character work makes sense. And that's sort of what we're having... Uh, you know, Bobby's weaknesses are coming to the forefront here. And to everybody's credit, they're consistent. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Bobby's sort of waspy, toxic masculinity, his sort of like pretend everything's fine when it's not, his obsession with his image, whether it's the public image or even within the firm, you know, he's, he, he wasn't, he was more concerned when Lindsay broke down, what was he concerned about? Was he concerned that my traumatized wife is being chased by a third serial killer and, and she's in this horrible trauma and pain and agony and fear that she's in? No, Bobby was worried about her embarrassing him in front of the firm. Mm -hmm. If that's not toxic, I don't know what is. And But that has been consistent. Bobby has always had this weakness. And, and so we've been sort of setting this up. And, and so I, I liked that. I mean, I don't, don't like the character. You know, and I've said this before. And especially on the rewatch. I'm wondering, what is there to like about Bobby? Honestly. I mean, he's insanely attractive. And he's a good lawyer. But he's kind of a douchebag in all other contexts. And and it's it's really funny because like you you have unlikable leads of plenty of shows, especially in contemporary times. But he wasn't I don't think David E. Kelly wrote this as a unlikable lead story. Anti-hero. Yeah. An not anti, an he's, he's not an anti-hero. <clears throat> He's just an unlikable character, but not with intent, even. I think we're supposed to be on his side. I think we're supposed to like him. It, you know, um, it's an interesting point because, and, and I only watched a little bit of Boston Public or uh, uh, Boston Legal, but, you know, it's it's sort of Denny, the Denny Crane character is sort of like another swing at, oh, well, this time, let's make him instead of like a D-bag, he's just a blowhard, but he's a really great lawyer, right? And I think that, and, and, but, a, but in a more comedic lens. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he found some success with Alan McBeal, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, this works." This yeah, tone well, works. And, and it's and and what what makes Bobby so unlikable <laughs> through all of these failings is how seriously he takes himself. Mm -hmm. You know, like Denny Crane does. He he knows he's a blowhard. Yeah. Bobby takes everything so seriously. He has well, no sense of humor about himself. He has no self-awareness about himself. For, you know, it, all of those things I've seen, you see it, it, it are, yes, I agree with all of that. But what, what, what really sours me to him, and I think this is intentional as well, uh, because at Steve, uh, Eugene, the character, is, is conflicted often because He's so consistent in his in his ideals. Right. He can uh, be rigid. Yes. Whereas Bobby, my trouble with him, and I and I enjoy that. I mean, you it, that is very natural. You would feel yeah. that way. Bobby, I feel, is just so often hypocritical because he'll 
get on somebody's case about doing something, but then but we we can cite so many examples of him doing the exact same thing of 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 changing his priorities or just being a D. So it's well, it's, it's but because, that is he's been consistently that way. Yeah. Well, Bobby is a classic narcissist, which is why he he he's consumed with himself and his image. So he's not a good partner. He doesn't clock. He's he's not. He's not thinking about Lindsay's point of view through any of this. It's all about him. And, think, and he's displayed that over and over and over again. I think commended because I think when this show was pitched and when he got cast, this is not the character he thought it was. I think he thought he was going to be hero man from start to finish. And as it's kind of grown and Bobby has developed, uh, Dylan has still performed him with commitment and uh, he's brought a lot to it, a lot of what... You know, it's it's hard to hate Bobby, like because if Bobby's awesome in the next episode, I'm like, yeah, but it's Bobby, Bobby McRamble. You know, like yeah. Dylan is has done great work. Well, no, he he really has, and Until I also I kill wonder, him off next year like, or whatever. The, <clears throat> and we, it's funny how it comes full circle from what we were talking about before. Like, I think the ground has shifted on this character over 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, 20 years ago, we weren't really toxic masculinity wasn't a word, wasn't a phrase. And and it was we sort were of just, default. <laughs> he, th- this this was just like manly, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and not not really just clocking how toxic all of that is. So I don't know if people watching this in 2002 were clocking just how shitty Bob is, and you know, and they they clocked it a little bit, but they sort of forgave so much that you know, just like this his his physical appearance sort of let him get away with it. Anyway, uh, it, Bobby, interesting, interesting thing going on there. But to get back to the point, so we all can go home because we've been wasted almost three hours of your life now. Uh, I think it's a good episode, against all odds. Like, mm-hmm. like, like it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a good episode, but it is. I found it compelling. I found it interesting. It's so over the top, and yet, again, when you have emotional beats, beats that make sense. And consistent character work, you can get away with some plot ridiculousness. Yeah, it's true. And and that's you know it's the same thing I said last week about Joey Herrick. If you're really funny and write it really well, you can you know it can be silly. And the same and the same thing here, just not silly. And and and, and David sort of like has proven in back to back episodes that you can be a ridiculous plot or utterly silly and still be good. If it's really well written and the emotional and character work is consistent, so all that I don't think I'm I'm not going to give it a nine, but I am going to give it a eight point eight three. I think that's going to average it just below Joey Herrick episode. Just below exactly what you want, exactly what (laughs) Keith wants. You my evil scheme the whole time. Well, that's that's uh that's just what happens because because I get to go second. I'm in charge yep. of this thing. So and, uh, you need to be in charge of the Easter egg. My guess would be that that's what they wheeled Hannibal Lecter in in Silence of the Lambs. That's exactly right. Well done. Way well to get that sir. Easter egg. Yeah. Well would you oh. like to get wheeled out of here? I bet you would. I sure would. Wheel us out, music. Thank you for listening to the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to write to us and communicate with us you can find us on email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook and Instagram 
at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're at it, uh, do us a favor. I, I don't know, just to spite us at this point, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Let me tell you, there are some people out here who do not spite us. They support us. They are our founding sponsors, Jorge Novoa, CloudLover69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know you could become one of those? We can wheel your money right into our podcast. Don't know where it goes. It's sitting there, and uh, we're going to buy Keith a, a, a data in the red commander's uniform. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can do that by clicking one of the two links in our show notes, <laughs> monthly contribution or a one-time contribution. We do appreciate it. Hey, tell people that Keith and I, despite our best efforts, somehow are still funny and somewhat charismatic and engaging and have them listen to the I show anyway. I that far. Or just watch the Star Trek show like everybody else does. Guys, do you know the worst part about consuming human flesh? It's dismembering the body. Don't get a bone saw. Don't use a kitchen knife. Just get out your laser and shoot off some laser sound. Cannibalistic laser sounds. <laughs>